it is something that we've been working really hard to try and get better at. We have a tendency to sometimes function in a little bit more of a reactive space, and we really want to move more towards that proactive realm. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to kick off this series. We are starting a three-part series about how to help you partner better with your human resource partners, your, your OD, your organizational development teams, and your learning and development folks. There is so much benefit, so many resources available for you there. And in order to do that well, there are some things that you might not know. And so we've brought some experts on the show for the next three episodes. And kicking us off today is Jessica Schwaller, who I cannot tell you how excited I am to have her on the show. And I think you're going to enjoy hearing from Jessica. She is the Senior Director of Associate Performance and Development at K-Force. Uh, we have been working with Jessica for, gosh, going on. Oh, about a year plus a lot of development time before that. So Jessica and I have gotten to know each other over the course of our work together. So Jessica, welcome to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. David, I'm so thrilled to be here. So grateful that you asked me to be a part of this really important conversation. It has been such a blessing to get to work with you and Karen over the last year plus. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you were able to. So one of the reasons I asked you, Jessica, is because you are a human-centered leader and you believe in human-centered leadership. And obviously that's what we're all about here at, at Let's Grow Leaders. But I want to ask you a question. I ask every guest who comes on the show this question. I'm going to kick us off and you can go wherever you want to with this one. But what is your first or earliest memory of yourself as a leader that you might be able to share with us? Ooh, David, you're really asking me to go back. I think probably my earliest memory is when I became a big sister. We have a blended family. And so we like to refer to it as his, hers, and ours. So my, my mother had me, uh, my, my father, Brad, who's actually my stepfather, he had a daughter and then together they had a daughter. And so um, sort of had an immediate two younger siblings. And, you know, I think through, you know, part of what I find really inspiring about leadership is that it's the components that happen silently, you know, the things that happen via observation and kind of just your experience of being with other people. And so that's probably the first kind of demonstrated experience where I would say, you know, I had these two little girls and, you know, you're the older sister. So naturally they look up to you. They loathe you sometimes, which also happens in leadership, right? <laughs> you don't always love the answer that you're getting or the direction that things are going. I think that would probably be my first experience. Oh, I love it. And for me, that's something we share in common, which I didn't know until this moment is also my earliest memory of myself as a leader is being a, a bigger, an older brother. I'm curious. I have to ask if you were a better older sister though, than I was an older brother. There's no way possible. I think that, um, I think I was probably a little more rotten than you, David, in the time that we've gotten to spend together. You strike me as somebody who is, uh, very forward about being kind and putting the other person first. And I probably didn't always do that with my sister. 
doctors, they would tell you I took brushes and toys and time from mom and dad. <laughs> well, okay. So confession time, since you don't know this about me, is that what my earliest leadership memory uh, is locking my brothers and sisters in the basement. Now, the motivation was we had to get the house clean. So li- listeners of the show have heard this before, but it's new to you, Jess. So I have to share that with you just so you know. Uh, I, I'm a more evolved version of myself now than I might have been back then. I'd like to think we all are, David. I mean, we didn't have basements uh, in in Florida. I grew up on an island, and so, but there was a fair share of um, pushing each other into the canal when we were frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we could all swim. <laughs> well, hey, at least you got you got some recreation out of it, so that sounds good. So when, you know, when we talk about leadership without losing your soul, I'm curious in all of your, and we're going to dive into your experience and your expertise as a human resource leader in your career. But before we go there, I want to ask you about when you see leaders losing their soul, like in your career, what does that look like to you? And why do you think it happens? I think probably the best thing to do is to draw this from my own experience and the times that I've probably walked that path a little bit where I sort of, you know, the person I'm seeing in the mirror is not the person that I want to see anymore. And I think two things happen. So the first is sometimes a result of just time, right? We have a lot that we're all trying to fit into our days and we get moving at such a swift pace that it can sometimes be easy to forget to take the time for the pieces of our work that are most important. You know, I reflect back when we first went into more of a remote environment and that was a challenging time, right? And so I think, you know, here again, right? Moving at a really quick pace, obviously there was a lot of spotlight on Uh, HR during that transition, we were doing a lot of monitoring of COVID cases and, you know, things were just moving really quickly at that time. And I distinctly remember somebody on my team sending me a text message and it really sort of punched me in the stomach. And she said, it was as simple as this, I miss you. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, these folks that I've been talking to on a daily basis and, you know, sort of unintentionally, sometimes I think the people that we care about the most, those are the ones that we put on the back burner a little bit. And it's, again, never intentional, but you sort of take for granted that they know how much you care and you say, oh, I'll call her later, right? I need to move on to these five things that are on my list. So I think time is a challenge. The other thing that I think is probably the biggest sort of stealer is we sometimes forget as leaders, the longer we spend time in leadership, the importance of vulnerability and how people can really learn from and appreciate that we are not perfect, right? And I think sometimes we get very caught up in, we have to set the good example. We have to set the tone. We have to be, you know, the, demonstrating what we want from others. And I don't dispute any of that. I think all of that is incredibly important, but just as important is vulnerability. We learn from the times that we have missteps. And so, you know, demonstrating that to people so that they don't feel like it's something that's unattainable or that a small thing can be career crushing and not something that they can overcome. And so I think those two things are probably the two that I would highlight. Wow. That's powerful. That's a masterclass right there. Just 
the awareness of time and what the demands and constraints on our time can do to us if we're not intentional about connect connection. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the second one that you said, remind me, the second thing you said was vulnerability, vulnerability and recognizing the failure isn't fatal, the where we're growing, the, and being real about those things. And the failure to recognize what time can do and the failure to be vulnerable can cause us to lose our soul and sacrifice our humanity. That was powerful. Yeah. I like how you said a uh, fatal failure. I like that failure isn't fatal. That's really powerful, David. Yeah, it's, a, it's an opportunity. We're always learning. We're always in process. Yeah. We're talking with Jessica Schwaller. She is an incredible human resource leader. And so Jess, I'd just like you to talk a little bit about your job, about your role and what you do, and particularly why you love what you do. And mm -hmm. just gonna behind the curtain, Jess loves what she does. Maybe not always, all of us have our work, but I've gotten to know Jess long enough and she just has so much enthusiasm and passion for, for what she does. So just talk to us about that. Yeah, thanks, David. So, um, you know, when I was uh, a student, I found myself drawn to, I think, the human-centric uh, studies. So sociology was something that was really interesting to me. And so that's ultimately what I pursued. And then, you know, sort of you make that transition into the working world, and maybe that doesn't look exactly like you had intended it to look. And I feel like, you know, the universe really had a divine hand in where I ultimately landed, because when I joined K-Force, I wasn't working in this space. And I'm so grateful that the opportunities that I had to work in other functions at K-Force ultimately led me to this human resources role. And I couldn't have ever imagined it at the time. I remember the drain of making the decision, right? Loving what I was doing at the time. I was part of a recognition and engagement team and that work was really inspiring and extremely fulfilling. And it's funny how when you're making those critical decisions, you can sometimes get stuck in what you're leaving and forget to focus on what could be in, you know, in what lies ahead. And uh, I'm really, again, grateful for people around me who pushed me and said, trust me, this is something you want to do. So I found myself in this new human resources role. Gosh, you're right, David. I just cannot imagine doing anything different with my life. And so our human resources function at K-Force has several different components associated with it. So we have our traditional employee relations, but it's not traditional. Our human resources business partners are really that, the embodiment of partner. And I think you and I will probably talk about this more as we further dig into our conversation. Um, but I think that partner component is what we're really striving um, to make sure we're achieving on a daily basis. And then we have our organizational development team. And, and you know, this is really about, um, you know, how are we helping to ensure that our folks are finding fulfillment in the work that they're doing, that they're being challenged and stretched and they're getting the opportunity to grow and that our leaders are set up to help facilitate that journey. It's really cliche and I hesitate to even say it, David, but I do think it's important, as cliche as it is, we spend so much of our time in our work. And so wanting to help people feel connected to that in a way that is productive and not burdensome is something that we take really seriously in our team. 
Um, and I hope that's what we put out to our partners. Told you she was passionate. I want to dive a little bit deeper into the partnership. So many leaders and managers, we're, we're doing the work we're doing. We've got results we've got to achieve. We're working with the team and so forth. And and let's be real. It's easy for those leaders and managers who are, are getting stuff done and focused to feel sometimes like human resources isn't there to help, but is an obstacle or is an impediment or something like that. Right. And it's a joke in TV shows and, you know, and we've got Toby in the office, you know, and all that kind of stuff. The reality hopefully is different. And so I'd like you to, to share with us, what are some of the mistakes that you think leaders make frequently when it comes to partnering with their human resource and OD teams? And so we'll start with the mistakes, but then we want to talk about what to do well, what to, how, to, how to make it work and what to do right. So let's start with the mistakes that you see. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's so true, David, there's such this interesting reputation. And I was really struck when I started working in human resources at how often I would join a call or a meeting and there would be that kind of visceral reaction, jokingly, of course, but there's a little bit of truth in every joke. Right. And so the, Oh, careful HR is on the phone. And, you know, I really may not have said this out loud to anybody, but internally what I was thinking is, and by the time I retire, my hope is that there is excitement. Oh, yes, we've got HR on the phone today, right? And so I think we're, we're always working towards that. So before I go to what leaders could be, you know, some of the mistakes that I think we make, it's really a relationship, right? So there are mistakes on both sides, David. And I think we've made a lot of those ourselves and we continue to make them. Sort of two things come to mind for me. The first is, patience and resilience. I think it's really important that you can't, you can't rush a relationship. And, you know, we have such, we, we, we see opportunity. And so we want it to happen right then. And we want to grab it and say, yes, yes, you have to work with me on this. You can't believe how great it's going to be. But you have to have that trusting relationship. And that takes time. And it really starts with listening, listening and observing. And so from the from the HR lens, right, something we work really hard towards is how do we take time with our partners? How do we find the smaller moments when we can join their conversations? Things that maybe wouldn't be typical things that HR would be included in, but an opportunity for us to learn more about the challenges that they face daily, being a part of their, um, you know, their stand-up meetings that they're having on a daily basis or part of a conversation they're having on uh, health and welfare topic, just any opportunity for us to learn more and be able to really walk in their shoes, I think is important. And so we would ask the same in return. And so really trying to bring our partners into the fold of our work and sort of losing that ego of expertise. We, grow, we both bring expertise to the table, but you have to be willing to approach that slowly, right? You can't just walk into the room and say, oh, I am an expert in this and you will listen to me. You, you have to demonstrate for people that they can trust you. Um, and so I think that would take me to the second thing, which is I really would love to lose this, you know, kind of veil of compliance that I think shrouds a lot of the work that we do. It is, um, yes, there is a compliance component associated with what we do. And that's anchored in helping make sure that, you know, we're protecting um, ourselves, our organization, you as leaders, right? 
Um, and so wanting to always make sure that, that, that what is there foundationally and that we are all sort of centered around is that that is well-intended, right? Avoiding risk is well-intended and it's not there to be a roadblock, but rather to help make sure that we can move past something. So I think the, the listening component is really important, an opportunity to kind of learn about each other so that we can start to co-create together. And, you know, you, you're getting at something, there's that misconception that it's all about compliance and that you were saying moving past that, it's just the foundation or it's just a starting point. It's kind of the, and I understand that, you know, historically there were the organizations where HR, that might be all that it was, was compliance. And today, human resource professionals have moved past that. And you are certainly an example of that. So we get those compliance issues, we take care of those things, but what's the rest? What, what are the opportunities that you see that you wish leaders understood? You know, we've got people listening today, if they're thinking about and how they might partner, what are some of the opportunities that, that are there for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, David, I think um, probably the biggest thing The pandemic has been really hard, right? And it has, uh, I think, challenged us in ways that we never imagined we would be challenged, but it's also inspiring to kind of watch what has come as a result of that. And I think that one of the sort of positive things that came from that is that where we were finding stumbling blocks before, we're a sales organization. And so there is obviously always going to be a focus on performance. And so we build a lot of structure around making sure we're supporting people to be successful from a performance perspective. And so we we have very caring leaders Uh, leaders who genuinely are invested in their people. But we talked earlier about time, right? So the pace of our work often means that there is an unintentional hyper-focus on the performance aspect. And so what I would like leaders to, um, I think, garner from our relationship is the components that we bring to the table that will help you explore a deeper human connection with your teams will influence that performance that you're looking for them to achieve. And so I think really wanting to help express the why, but again, needing some buy-in from them, right? Needing them to sort of take the time with us to understand and see sort of the value that's associated with getting to know your team. You have to meet people where they are, right? There is heart in the work that we do and our leaders do have that heart. Again, sometimes the pace can just, I think, create a stumbling block for us. And so the pandemic really allowed us to kind of refocus on those cultural components that were naturally sort of getting pulled and plucked away from us with the virtual environment. And so that focus allowed us to now bring into the picture a lot of the work that we try to do in the HROD space, you know, getting development plans for our folks, making sure that there's time for personal connection and one-on-ones, Um, you know, demonstrating the value of someone having collaboration outside of your own team. I think all of those things are starting to come to the forefront now. And those are best practices that we really want to see 
be further employed across the organization, kind of making that personal investment in people makes them want to give you more. Talking about all of those leverage opportunities, the connection and all of the different ways that that leaders can connect more deeply and using their relationship with their human resource partners to do that. I'm curious as to, and I, this is a leading question because I have seen this happen over and over again, but gosh, if there's one thing that I've ever heard from every, just about every HR professional I've ever talked to, it's come to me earlier. Mm -hmm. Leaders tend to wait too long to talk. And you got at this earlier, like build the relationship, invest Mm -hmm. in that relationship earlier. Where are some of the common places we're not talking to you soon enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a great question, David. And it is something that we've been working really hard to try and get better at, right? We, We have a tendency to sometimes function in a little bit more of a reactive space, and we really want to move more towards that proactive realm. I think two key areas really jump off the plate to me. One is in coaching. A lot of what comes after the fact is, you know, I have this person and we're really struggling to sort of move them past this point that they seem to be stuck in. And, you know, we're often on the HR side, sort of scratching our heads a little bit and saying, boy, sure wish we had had this conversation sooner, right? We had an opportunity to really turn. And sometimes what happens is, our leaders already have their mind made up at that point. So kind of unwinding that can sometimes be challenging. And you, you know, you have to know when it's the right time to sort of lean in and do that unwinding and when you need to say, okay, this is something we're going to move on from, but learn from. So I think coaching is the number one place that I see that happening. The other is sort of a more general view, David. We have a really interesting lens of employee experience in our human resources and organizational development function, right? We're a channel where the silent voices actually are spoken, right? If we were brought into the fold sooner to really understand what are those sort of underlying tones that are influencing the business, I think that we We have an interesting lens in human resources, the undertone of voices. And so being able to bring that to complement the work that's being done on the business side will help inject a view that is necessary. We're hearing from people who are raising concerns. We have engagement data that is really, you know, really exposing people are willing to be sort of vulnerable and say, this has been my experience. This is how things could get better. You know, we conduct exit interviews. We are looking at that all day, every day. Invite us to bring that to your table. Such a powerful suggestion. If you're looking for the practical outcomes here, that is a practical way to go talk to your HR folks, build the relationship Mm -hmm. and ask them what they know that you don't know that would help you to lead better. So yeah, you've got that opportunity with your, your HR professionals to know the things that they know that will help you to lead more effectively, connect more deeply, and then achieve those, those results together. So just talk to us about what is one thing that you wish leaders understood about human resource professionals that you think maybe they might not? 
So I'm going to give you two answers to that question, David. <laughs> I feel like I've done that through this entire conversation. I, can't, I, I love I must, it. <laughs> I must have a challenge just giving one direct, succinct answer. No, you're you're in abundance. Our our <laughs> cup is overflowing with wisdom. Keep it coming. Uh, so two things. One is something that we hear often from our partners is the importance of credibility. And they really want us to have a deep understanding of their world so that we can bring the right, you know, additive to that for them. And I really think we need to be thoughtful about that in reverse too. There, you know, this team is in place for a reason, and they have come to this work not by accident. This has been very purposeful. And I think that, you know, recognizing that there is credibility and expertise on the other side is important. And sort of losing that the time component and the investment in the relationship is important, but it has to start with a willingness to say the person sitting across from me is in that role for a reason. And they're going to bring something great to this relationship that I haven't experienced before. So that's the first piece. The second piece I think is uh, that I would want people to know is that the work that we do is very heart centered. We are always walking in the gray. It's not as simple as black and white. We really have to take every situation for the individual experience that it is. And that is going to net the greatest result for everybody involved. And so I think it's something we talk about a lot on our team. Yes, there are some legal and compliance things that are very black and white, but the bulk of the work that we do is very gray things that you never could have imagined that you would see. And so being being willing to say, okay, I have to think in a way that I've never thought before and really bringing that creative perspective and a willingness to see the other person's point of view. So those are the two things that I would highlight that I would want um, our partners to recognize about the folks that are on this side. Wow, you're taking me back and... Um... Shout out to Mike, who was my human resource director when I was an executive. And the number of times we would have to sit down and just put our heads together and say, wow, well, this is interesting. And what do we do that is in the the company's best interest, that's in this individual's best interest, that's in the, the team's best interest and everybody involved. And those are not easy discussions all the time. And to have somebody who has that heart, and Mike certainly had that heart for the people, but also the understanding of the business to help you navigate that. I can't agree and emphasize what Jessica said adequately enough, how valuable that is. And so to build those relationships and know that you have an advocate there that's going to help you in the long run, that's so powerful. David, I think this is something you would hear echoed across our team and hopefully, you know, our industry as a whole, we never want our partners to feel like something is happening to them, rather for them and with them. Though, you know, that I think is really where we want our partners to be talking about us in a way that we are part of their team and not this ancillary arm on the side that inflicts things on them. Absolutely. And it seems to me that part of building that relationship is you need to share things up front. So, you, you know, it's partly 
yes, I need to get to know this human being on both sides, right? We need to, to get to know one another. But then there's also the sharing of objectives. And I think this is a, a mistake leaders frequently make is that they don't bring people in. My human resource team, they are stakeholders in the organization. So if you know, as an HR professional, if you know the strategic objective that this team is trying to achieve or that the company is trying to achieve, you're going to be able to speak into it. But if you don't know that and that information has not been shared with you, and I see leaders do this frequently as they, you know, they bring the two people in who have the most immediate, you know, like, okay, they've got the spreadsheets and they've got the, the infrastructure. All right, let's talk and let's figure this out. And you forget that other side. Well, how can they help if they don't have the information? So, you know, in order to have somebody be working with you and working for you and putting your head together, you have to bring them in. And that's something only you can do. They can ask, they can raise their hand, but you also want to do that as a leader. I don't know how you feel about that, Jess, but I'm passionate about it. You make such a good point, David. And I think that we are often considered for tactical purposes and we overlook that really important strategic component that we can bring, right? We're, we're we discussed it earlier, right? We have a view that is different than the view that you have and vice versa. You have a view that's different than ours. So the opportunity to sort of bring those two together is going to lead to a much more fruitful strategic execution than we ever could have accomplished singularly. So I think you make a really good point there, David. Well, it was your point. I was just elaborating. (laughs) So Jess, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking you about, you know, thinking over your career and you can go anywhere you'd like to here, but one of the most rewarding experiences that you have had as a a human resource leader um, and, and whatever that might be, tell us what happened, why it was rewarding for you. Oh, David, there are so many. You can, you know, you have overflowed our cup. We, you can do too. Goodness. Okay. So two things that I would say have been really rewarding moments that I reflect back on and and have um, pride, but also gratitude for. Um, So the first is, I think something that we, you know, we don't talk a lot about out loud and for the right reasons, we don't talk about it a lot out loud. Mental health is a component of our human resources work. And that obviously has also come much more to the forefront with the current state of the pandemic. And we had a lot of social injustice in 2020. You know, we forget that sometimes our HR business partners are often like 911 operators, and we are getting phone calls around really, really dire situations. And what I have found to be some of the most rewarding work that we do is walking with somebody through that really, really, really hard time. And sometimes that means there's a leave of absence and watching them come back from that and be stronger than they were and to see them be successful and sort of getting back to that point we made before, I'm going to get emotional now, David, but those moments in your life where you feel like a scarlet letter is being written on your back that you can't recover from Mm -hmm. and being able to be a part of someone's journey to encourage them 
past that moment and then seeing them now get promotions and bring incredible things to the organization has probably been the most rewarding experience of being in this line of work specifically. Mm. I narrowed it to one. The second thing I would say though, that was probably the second most rewarding thing. I got this really beautiful lesson in the value of teamwork when I came into this function, right? Always had had that acknowledgement of the importance of team. But when I came into the HR space, there was this team of expert practitioners and in came this leader who had not previously held a human resources role. And I can only imagine what they were thinking, right? How unfair is this? How will this ever work out? And watching the willingness the human spirit of a team of people to say, okay, we are going to invest in her and we're going to put our arms around her and we are going to teach her what it means to be a part of this team, this work that we do. And now watching that on the other side where we've come through and you know, the opportunity to continue to learn from each other, I think those are probably the two most rewarding moments I've had in the time that I've been in this great, great human resources space. Those are beautiful, Jess. Thank you for sharing those with us. Um, That's a a powerful place to close our conversation and just leave it on that high note. We have been talking with Jessica Schwaller, uh, obviously an incredible, dedicated, passionate human resource leader. And as you're listening today, I just hope that you will take Jessica's wisdom to heart And practically pick up the phone or get that Zoom link out, whatever it might be, just call your human resource partner, whatever level you are, whoever that person is, and say, you know, I just wanted to say hi. Give them a little appreciation, start building that relationship and recognize the strategic advocate that you have and the resource that they can be and the passion and energy, just like Jess, that they are bringing to the work. Jessica, thank you for being a part of the show today. So appreciate everything that you shared with us. David, greatly appreciate you having me. Thank you for allowing me to learn from you every day. So grateful for you. Thank you. Well, back at you. All right. That is our show today. Until next time, be the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.